Hey, welcome to episode number 114 of More Than Bread. I'm Dan, your host for this podcast that is focused on listening to, learning from, and leaning into and on the Word of God. In this chapter, we're hanging out in the Psalms, 40 of my very favorite Psalms. In this episode, actually in this episode and the next one, we're looking at perhaps, I don't know, the most famous Psalm of them all, right? Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, God takes on the role. He describes himself as a shepherd. And of course, we are the sheep. Uh, You you may or may not realize this, but Jesus also described himself as a shepherd. In John 10, we read two self-descriptions of Jesus. They're called Jesus' I am statements. The first is, I am the door or the gate of the sheepfold. In other words, you come into the flock through me. I'm the protector of the sheep. And the second one is, I'm the good shepherd. My my sheep know my voice. They listen for my voice. They follow my voice. I have come that they, my sheep, might have a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life. And so we're reminded from the very title of this podcast that life, an abundant life, requires more than bread. It requires more than stuff. It requires the very words of God and the very one who is called the Word, which was with God and was God. So Jesus is the good shepherd, and if he is my good shepherd, it says in John 10, I will recognize his voice. I'll recognize the voice of Jesus. I have to hear the voice of Jesus to recognize it, but I will recognize his voice. So before I read Psalm 23, let me just ask the question, how is your voice recognition when it comes to Jesus? How how well do you listen? How well do you follow? How passionate are you? Meaning, how much time do you put into listening for and to his voice? Henry Blackaby wrote in his book, Experiencing God, if I do not recognize God's voice, I am in trouble at the very heart of my relationship with God. How well do we listen? How much time do we put into recognizing and hearing and listening to the voice of Jesus? As people who are followers of the one who is called the word, it might be said that listening should be our most celebrated skill, our our greatest value, our most consistent practice. But, But is it? Perhaps we might consider lifting up our standards, the standards of our effort, the standards of the effort that we're willing to put into listening for the voice of God. Francis Havergal, a songwriter from long ago, grew up in a Christian home. She, she loved God's word. In fact, by her early 20s, she had memorized all the gospels, all of Paul's letters, the Psalms, and all 66 chapters of Isaiah. She wrote in her journal at that time, I still wait for the hour when I believe Christ will reveal himself to me more directly, but it is the quiet waiting of trust, not the restless waiting of anxiety and despair. What amazing words. I want Jesus to speak to me, she said. I I, I want him to say many things to me that I may speak for him to others with real power. It's not knowing doctrine, but being with him that will give this, she wrote. Now, she wrote those words back in 1858. Fifteen years later, 15 years later, she had an experience of God that she felt was the fulfillment of all those years of listening to and for his voice, a vision of God and an experience of his spirit at work in her that led to an amazingly fruitful time of ministry and one of the most powerful worship songs of the last 200 years, Take My Life and Let It Be consecrated, Lord, to thee. 
You know, we want so many things now. We want our destiny now. We want our identity now. We want to be intimate with Jesus now. We want him to bless us now. But we do we want to know Jesus so much? Do we trust Jesus so much that if it doesn't happen now, we'll keep going back with patient anticipation until it does, <laughs> even if it takes 15 years? See, I, I believe we listen to the voice of those who matter to us the most. So listen along as I read Psalm 23. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. The psalmist David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, are there any words more well-worn and well-loved in Scripture than these words written by David. We, we most often know David as a king or perhaps as the killer of Goliath, but but in the beginning, his life was quite, quite common. He, he started life in a blue-collar family, hard-working family during a hard time, national recession, political upheaval, war. As the youngest of eight brothers, I can guarantee you, he knew what it was like to be overlooked, last in line, last in rank. Like most of us, he experienced the highs and and the lows of life. He, he was deeply spiritual, a songwriter, a, a worshiper with a heart that hungered for God. He was he was a man who had a heart to serve others, even at his own expense. And, and if you had known him then, you might have said that he was a man who connected with God. But I'll be honest, what, what really attracts me to this guy, David, was his perseverance. I mean, we all go through heartbreaking times, but we don't all endure. But but this man, David, was a man who found the heart to go on, to persevere, to endure. He, Somewhere in the midst of his life, he wrote words that became some, some of the most favorite words of Scripture, words that, that touched a chord with millions of people through thousands of years. Around the world, Psalm 23 is one of the most well-known, most well-loved passages of Scripture you'll ever find. But do you know what I hear when I read Psalm 23? I, I hear these words. I hear the best is yet to come. I mean, isn't that what David is describing? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God's goodness pursues me and I will live in his house forever. The best is yet to come. And the best is yet to come because God invites us into a blessed life, a life that's blessed beyond belief. Blessed beyond belief would have been a a natural three-word description of Eric Hill, uh, at least from an outside look. He was 28 years old, recent college grad, good-looking, athletic. His family loved him. Girls wanted to be his friends. Friend, he, he had several job opportunities ahead of him, but but as is often the case, Eric's inside didn't match his outside. Tormented by inner voices he couldn't keep quiet and mental images he couldn't shut off and thoughts he couldn't understand. On a gray, rainy day in February 1982, Eric walked out the back door of his Florida home and he never came back. His sister, Debbie, remembers watching him walk away thinking he'd come back. And, and when he didn't, thinking he, he, he'll call. 
And when he didn't, thinking she could find him, but she couldn't. And what followed was 16 years of wandering by Eric and 16 years of wandering by Debbie. Now, Psalm 23 really is a psalm of wandering. It's a description of a a pilgrimage. Wandering was a, a way of life for David and the Israelites, looking for a promised land, wandering through dangerous deserts, sometimes lost, sometimes afraid. Have you ever felt like you were wandering and and wondering where the good life was to be found? Wondering if there was really if there really was a good life and if so where how could you find feeling feeling like your life path was just so long and so hard. Wondering where it would lead. Where Eric wandered, only God knows. But we know that somewhere around San Antonio, thousands of miles from home, Eric began to believe that he'd been given a mission, a mission to keep a stretch of Interstate 10 garbage free. To the commuters on I-10, his bearded face became a familiar sight. Split trousers, torn sweatshirt, a plastic bag covering his shoulders in the wintertime, and an old hat to keep out the sun in the summer. He lived in a hole in a vacant lot. He was 44 years old. He looked like he was 80. Weathered face, shoulders stooped like he was carrying the weight of the world. 16 years away from home, stuck in the garbage of life. We'll, we'll do that to the best of us. But but then two things happened in Eric's life. They, they decided to build a car dealership on Eric's vacant lot, and Eric lost his home. And not long after this, somebody found him curled up in a ball on the side of the road, clutching his stomach in pain. They they took him to the ER where they found that Eric had terminal cancer. Eric's court-appointed attorney could not bear the thought of him dying all alone, so he began an internet search to see if he could find Eric's family. And that's how he met Debbie. Debbie and her husband and her children came to Texas to see if this man was actually her hus- her brother. By the time they arrived, he'd already been released from the hospital, but local authorities helped her pursue him. They found him sitting against a building not far from Interstate 10. And you know what? One look was all it took. Debbie looked past the junk and saw her brother. They offered him food. He he refused. They offered him help. He refused. They offered him a home and he refused. I, I guess he thought he could take care of himself. Didn't need anybody else's blessings. Debbie came for a week, but she stayed much longer. She just couldn't leave. She rented an apartment, began homeschooling her kids, and also she could keep pursuing her brother. Weeks turned into months. It wasn't easy. He didn't recognize her, wouldn't acknowledge her, sometimes cursed her, but she would not give up on Eric. Pastor Max Lucado met her one Sunday when she was visiting his congregation, and after hearing her story, he asked the question that we all might ask, Why are you still here? Why haven't you given up? Her simple response was, he's my brother. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Can Can you picture her heart? What would it be like to know that someone you love is living a life far from the life that they could live? What would it be like to have your help rejected? The Lord is my shepherd. In the story of our lives, don't we see ourselves more often as some version of the sister than the brother? But if we want to truly grasp the blessed life, we must come to grips with the fact that in the story God is writing, we all started out as, and we often still revert back to the life of the brother more than we care to admit. 
The Lord is my shepherd. You know, the Bible often compares people to sheep. Have you ever done one of those icebreaker, you know, get to know each other exercise? Like, if there was one animal in the whole animal kingdom that you would like to be, what animal would you be? Has anybody ever said, I would like to be a sheep? <laughs> no. <laughs> because instinctively, even if you've never been a shepherd, you know that being a sheep, being called a sheep is not really all that flattering. I, I grew up on a farm where we raise both sheep and hogs, and sheep make pigs look positively PhD-like. <laughs> In his book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, Philip Keller relates just how stupid sheep are. He said, left to themselves, sheep will follow the same trials until they develop a rut, and then they won't leave the rut. Does that sound like any of us? They'll graze the same hills until they turn to waste. They're stubborn but easily frightened. Even a small rabbit Keller said, even a small rabbit can stampede a herd of sheep. They simply cannot take care of themselves. They can only see about 15 yards clearly. They have little or no means of self-defense except to run. A dog, a cat, a bird can find its way home sometimes at least, but a sheep, when it's lost, is lost. And we hear the story of Eric Hill or anybody like him, and we think, who in the world would choose a vacant lot over a real home? Who would choose garbage over a real mill? Who, who would chase loneliness? over having a family, a real family? And the answer is we would, because we're all sheep. Some of us just hide it better. We're all chasing all kinds of stuff. We, we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten what we're missing. We, we don't know what we need. We just know that we're looking for something, someone. And so God sends a shepherd. He sends a brother to find us and rescue us. And if we're willing to follow him home. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Even though we have walked away from the life that he offers, he pursues us to bring us home to a blessed life, a life lacking nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Now, you know David is not saying, I'll never go through tough times. He's not saying everything I want will be mine. I'll never experience overwhelming circumstances. I'll never grieve or fail or be hurt. In fact, he says, I know that I will go through hard, difficult, dark, shadow of death kinds of days. But in those times, even in those times, I have everything. I will have everything I need for joy, for life, for fulfillment. Tina Sinatra, in writing in her book, Her Memoirs of Living with Her Father, Frank Sinatra, said this about her dad. said, my father was a man who all his life looked outside for what was missing inside. And, and you know what? We know better, but we do it too. We desperately chase after external stuff to fill up our lives and make us happy or content or successful or valued or loved. But, but external stuff can never fill internal holes. David says, when the Lord is my shepherd, I'll, I'll lack nothing. Why? Because when the Lord is my shepherd, he'll be guiding me through the process of, of heart transformation, healing up the holes on the inside. Not, not only do I have everything I need, but I can live without fear. David says uh, the blessed life is a life without fear. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. A <laughs> sheeper. And they are fearful animals. In a world where there is much to fear, David says, if God is my shepherd, I won't be afraid. Lots to be scared of in this world, but David picks out the biggies, death, dark times, powerful enemies, 
Because we're sheep, there will be enemies, dark times that we simply cannot overcome on our own circumstances that block our hope for the future. Maybe you don't fear death right now, but wait till you face it. Wait till your life goals are left hanging by the thought of a death you didn't expect. Maybe maybe the death of a child or husband or wife, and, and you begin to fear. But, but David says, if God is my shepherd, I, I, I won't be afraid. Why? Because God is with me. This is the blessing above all blessings. God is with me, a life with God. Well, I mean, what if it was possible to live a life that is so blessed that we could look around us and, and even look into our future, our unknown future, and with confidence say, I lack nothing. I'm, I'm not afraid. What a blessed life. But I lack nothing because the Lord is my shepherd, and I'm not afraid because he is with me. I mean, do you hear the message behind David's words? What I have in God is greater than anything I don't have in life. St. Augustine wrote, he who has God has everything. He who does not have God has nothing. And he who has God and everything has no more than he who has God alone. See, Augustine had learned the secret to the blessed life, which leads us to another question. How do we live the kind of life that God blesses, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He, he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Or I actually like better the translation, he restores my soul. <laughs> this is where I want to stop for this episode. We'll pick it up again in the next episode. But for now, let this be our last thought. Don't miss this. Psalm 23 begins with rest and renewal. In other words, we rest our way into blessing. We don't work our way into blessing. We rest our way into blessing. The blessed life does not start with activity. It's not a reward for achievement. It starts with rest. And the order is significant. We've we've turned the concept of the Sabbath into a day off, a much-needed rest from our business busyness. But the Sabbath was not meant to be a passive resting. It's meant to be an active turning from work to God. In this life of blessing, there is so much that God does and so little that we do. Let that soak in today. Let me read the psalm again, and don't miss how much we don't do. I'm reading from Eugene Peterson's The Message. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You've bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath. You send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of my God for the rest of my life. (laughs) Let me pray for you. Father God, I pray that um, throughout this next period of time, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, I I pray that through this next season of time that every person listening to my voice would recognize that it is a good thing to have you as our shepherd. God, I I pray that we would be willing to be like sheep who have a good shepherd. I I pray that we we would be willing to rest our way into blessing. I pray that we would see and understand that there's so much that we don't do and so much that you do. 
God, I pray for each and every person who is just kind of feeling that that intensity of almost burnout, of, of feeling like I'm, I'm never going to find what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm never going to be enough or have enough. God, I pray with all that is in me, would you be today, in this moment, would you be their good shepherd? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.